We are on. How are you, Tori? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. So we're going to do a little case review today, and I thought we would delve into the issue of child custody and visitation, and there's a specific holding here that I thought could use a little bit of discussion. Uh, this podcast obviously is not only for attorneys out there, family law attorneys that are interested in keeping up with the recent case law, mm -hmm. but also people out in the community that are lay people who may have a family law case, and especially a case involving custody. This is something to know about. Mm -hmm. uh, the issue of domestic violence really impacts issues in family law, especially child custody, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So what's the name of the case? Um, it's HH versus AM. Okay. Um, I really don't like the fact that they're using <laughs> initials like this now. I mean, some case, cases have them, some don't. Eh, you know, anyways, it's, it's hard to remember his cases mm -hmm. if they're just initials, I think. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, why don't you walk us through the facts? Now, this is a very lengthy decision. Mm -hmm. I uh, was going through it again before we got on the air here. And, you know, we don't need to know all of the minutiae. So, you know, if you could summarize maybe, you know, the, the stuff, and then we'll get to what happened in court at the end of it. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so like you alluded to, the basic premise is we have a request for a domestic violence restraining order. Um, you know, the case spans over the course of five years. So like you said, there's a lot of history of abuse between these parties. But specifically, we have a mother and father. They share a minor child. Um, at the outset of the case, mom says, you know, from the time father found out I was pregnant, the abuse started there. Um, and the case follows them through, you know, their custody exchanges. At one point, dad, um, you know, files a request for custody and it's granted. And he has visitation with minor child from Tuesday to Friday. And not surprisingly, there's a lot of um, discord that happens between these parties during those custody exchanges and just in co-parenting this minor child and general. So let, let me stop you there just to make this crystal clear for people that are listening in. There was domestic violence, at least alleged domestic violence mm -hmm. from the very beginning of this relationship. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, mom and dad wind them, find themselves in court, not on the DV initially, but there's some custody orders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And these orders give father a lot of time, yeah. right? And, and what are, what's the time period again? He has custody from Tuesday to Friday. And then so, alternate weekends as well, or is it just Tuesday to Friday? I believe it was just Tuesday to okay. Friday, and the mom has the remainder of the time. Okay. Nevertheless, that's a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, every week they have that. Yeah. Uh, we would consider that to be almost 50% mm -hmm. custody you know, mm -hmm. situation, and uh, then it continues. So what happens next, I guess? You know, early on in the, the case, in, in around 2016, you know, mom files a request for DV, I should say domestic violence restraining order. Um, father files a competing request. It seems like from the case that those are dismissed. And then again, not surprisingly, the abuse continues. And eventually, a emergency protective order is issued on behalf of mother. So she's a protected party um, against father in September 2019. And then a year later, about a year later, in July 2020, she finally files a request for domestic violence restraining order. And this proceeds forward. Okay, so can I stop you? So you talked about an EPO being yeah. in 2019. So that's she got that through the police. Yeah. So some people, you know, come to me and they say, Donna, I want you to get an EPO. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, only the police do that. You yeah. know, the private attorneys don't go into court and get EPOs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times it's nice to have both of them. You know, mm-hmm. you have the police going and get an emergency protective order, but then we go in and we get a domestic violence mm-hmm. restraining order on a temporary. It's a temporary yep. basis. And the reason why we still go into court for that purpose is because of the fact that that EPO has an expiration right. date that could be just four days away. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a Band-Aid mm-hmm. right there. So 2019, there's an EPO. But in 2020, it sounds like, then she goes in and gets a TRO, a temporary yeah. uh, domestic violence restraining order. Right. Okay. In fact, I was surprised by that that mom didn't get a domestic violence restraining order after the emergency protective order because, as you mentioned, we usually do that for clients. Yeah. Um, so almost a full year later, she does the request for domestic violence restraining order. And that's because the abuse just keeps on keeps coming. Keeps coming, yep. They do in- issue a temporary restraining order, like you said, and they temporarily suspend visitation, which is normal. Um, they have, at some point, the hearings continued, and a judge reinstates dad's visitation. So he goes from having suspended visitation, and then it's reinstated again to Tuesday and Friday, as it was before these requests took place. So so there was a full evidentiary hearing before the court did that, right? I think pending the full evidentiary hearing, oh, they even okay. reinstated it. Okay. Yeah, which I was also surprised by because typically, from what I've seen, it's only a couple hours of visitation. So, so somebody went into court and said, Your Honor, you know, uh, my client hasn't seen the children in a mm-hmm. long time. The children are suffering. He's had a very strong relationship with these kids. Mm -hmm. These kids need him. Mm -hmm. It's just wrong. It's wrong for you to continue on by having him have no visitation Mm -hmm. when we should be thinking about the kids. So even though the restraining order is pending, I'm asking you on behalf of my client to restore this so Mm -hmm. that we go back to normal. Yep. Okay. So then, you know, they had the full evidentiary hearing. Um, There's... Of course, cross allegations of abuse, but ultimately, mother's request for a domestic violence restraining order is granted. Because there's findings that she told the truth and she was a true victim. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting, they don't protect the minor child under her domestic violence restraining order, um, but they do order mom sole legal and physical custody. Okay, so let me stop right there. Mm -hmm. So what we do know from the family code under uh, Section 3044 Mm -hmm. Is, is that there's going to be a granting of sole legal and physical custody mm-hmm. if there's a finding of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So that has to happen, and the court did the right thing here. It says, okay, pre- previous to this, you shared joint physical and legal custody or mm-hmm. legal and physical custody. We're changing that. Now mom has it all. Mm-hmm. Father, sorry, but you committed domestic violence. You don't have that. Yeah. What else did the court do? So then the court does something kind of wonky. And they say, well, we're just going to go to the visitation schedule we've been using, um, which is, again, Tuesday to Friday. I think it's the exact time is like 4.30 to 6.30 on Friday. So a pretty significant amount of time, as kinda you mentioned. Kind of going back to the old schedule, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So we're back to Tuesdays to Fridays. Is that what it was? That's my understanding, yeah. 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 All right. And so what did mom's attorney say? Well, mom's attorney says, Your Honor, that's joint physical custody that you're awarding, essentially. I mean, that's a 50% timeshare almost. And how did the court respond? The court says, too bad, so sad. I'm reinstating it, essentially. Because it's in the best interest of the the kids. This is what they've had for a long time, and I just think it's best for the kids to have this, right? Yeah. Okay. So what happens next? So Mama appeals. Um, She appeals on two grounds. I don't know if you want to discuss the statement decision. Okay, so she appeals on the grounds that she had requested a statement decision, which the trial court denied. 
Um, and then she also appeals, as we alluded to, um, the fact that they didn't have any findings on the record that father had overcome the 3044 presumption and therefore shouldn't have joint physical custody. But as we mentioned, the visitation schedule was essentially joint physical custody at that point. That's her argument, right? Mm-hmm. That's her so, argument. so we have two points here. Number one is, is that overturn this decision because the trial court didn't prepare a statement of decision mm-hmm. that I properly requested. Mm-hmm. Right, and mm-hmm. that would have forced the trial court to make specific findings of fact right. about this case. And the second one is is that there's been no uh, rebutting of the thirty forty four presumption, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we will talk a little bit about what that means and how it's done. And so this court just ignored that and mm-hmm. granted what is essentially joint physical and legal cu- or physical custody at least mm-hmm. by doing this. Right, so yeah. so. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the statement of decision first. Okay. okay. What did the Court of Appeals say about that? Well, they said that it was an error, that they didn't issue that. Um, like you said, mother properly requested it, and it should have been done. I think in this particular case, they said they could have done it on the record because it was less than a full-day hearing. Um, but in any regard, it should have been in writing or verbally on the record for the parties. You would think that that's just a basic thing there because we all know that for – something as serious as domestic violence. Right. And for the court to find that somebody has committed domestic violence, you've got to be very careful on the record mm-hmm. so that it's really clear down the road that there's these findings because right. these findings are the things that implicate mm-hmm. custody, spousal support, and thing, mm-hmm. things like that. The court didn't do that. Yeah. And so so the Court of Appeals said, sorry, but they were wrong on that trial mm-hmm. court. Okay, mm-hmm. that was... Uh, to me, a sub-point of yeah. this decision. The second thing the court said was? Well, they needed to make specific findings on the record. I think it's in writing, actually, that they had to make the findings. Well, um, they had to do that, but then the second thing was the rebuttal, right? right? the presumption of 34. Yeah, and so uh, I, we've had this on prior podcasts, mm-hmm. different cases. So what the, what the uh, viewers should know is, is that Section 3044 of the Family Code says that there's a way for a perpetrator of domestic violence to regain Mm -hmm. joint legal and physical custody, but the burden is on them. Mm -hmm. They have to show that they've done something that's Mm -hmm. significant enough for the court to say, yeah, I think it's it's, it's okay for them to do that. Now, 3044 of the the Family Code has some suggestions. Mm -hmm. Do you know what they are? Are you referring to the factors? Yes, yeah. I do. I have them here. So there is um, evidence that you've completed a batter's treatment program, evidence that you've completed a drug or alcohol treatment program. Um, If they're on probation or parole, you need to show that you're complying with the terms. Um, And then showing that there's been no further acts of domestic violence. And I think ultimately this kind of leads to a balancing of the factors that you know, joint legal and physical custody is in the best interest of the child. Okay. So it's actually spelled out in the code mm-hmm. that these are things that the court should look at. Yeah. I think what's important for folks to know is is that these aren't mandatory. Mm-hmm. The court could still find that the 3044 presumption has been rebutted, mm-hmm. even if the perpetrator of domestic violence didn't do these things, yeah. but shows in a different way that, you know, it's, you know, it's okay to, mm-hmm. to change things. Um, but they're here. You know, and of course, if we're either defending against a 3044 presumption argument or we're actually trying to get a court to agree with us, 
focusing on these things would be really suggested, right? right? A batter's treatment class, mm-hmm. individual therapy. I mean, there's some, some good things there. Yeah. Now, in this case, had father done any of these things? Father hadn't done any of these things. In fact, father's counsel didn't even try to rebut the presumption when they're in this evidentiary hearing. Yeah, and the court didn't really care, it sounds like. Yeah. Which is interesting. Now, I mean, if we're looking at this thing realistically, this custody order came at the same time that the findings were made, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't really be in a great position to say that I've done all these things right. because it's so fresh. Although sometimes what we do is we get our parents to start getting involved mm-hmm. in these things, like the parenting classes right. and individual therapy, even when they're pending these hearings mm-hmm. because you want to get a jump start on that. Yeah. Apparently, they didn't do that, and I think that was a mistake there, <laughs> kind of. But, I mean, the biggest mistake was the court didn't yeah. do this. It just said, you know, I think it's in the best interest of the kids. Mm-hmm. Now, so the Court of Appeal did what with regard to this decision? Well, they said it was an abuse of discretion, and they reversed it, remanded it back. Yeah. So. Yeah. I thought that uh, this case was noteworthy to talk about, not because of the 3044 presumption per se, because we've now had – a lot of appellate court decisions mm-hmm. uh, that have addressed this issue. And mm-hmm. I'm always mm-hmm. scratching my head when you see the same issue come up and you're like, okay, what was new here? Yeah. You know, so I looked at this case and I'm like, okay, why, why would they publish this? I mean, you know, what was new? And the only thing that I could think about here is, is the court took great pains to talk about what the difference is between uh, significant physical custody mm-hmm. versus you know, something that isn't. Yeah. And I thought that it was worth quoting. I don't know if your notes had any anything with regard to that. I do, yeah. I thought it was interesting if we're referring to the same thing that the court basically said, you know, it doesn't really matter what you label the court order, right? It's really the legal effect. And so here, when they were talking about joint physical custody, it didn't matter that the judge was saying, oh, it's sole physical custody. In effect, that order was 50-50. And I think the court talks a little bit about, you know, if we're looking at significant amount of time with one parent or even four to five times a week. Um, so they're kind of giving us a little idea of what would be considered joint physical custody, but perhaps that's not what you're no, referring to. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I am. I mean, it's the area. I think that it reminds me of the famous quote that you can't, uh, when you put lipstick on a pig, <laughs> it's still a pig, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in this case, the, the court said, you know, you could call it what you want. You want to say that this is sole legal and physical custody right. of mom, and that suddenly that's magically going to be right. okay. Well, no. And yeah. by the way, there's some other decisions that have already stated this, but you know, you can't you can't make it all good by just calling it joint or sole legal and physical custody, and then giving him a significant mm-hmm. amount of time because that's what the court said. This is almost an equal time shit yeah. right here. You yeah. know, so so for me, what the court did is it cited some other cases and it talked mm-hmm. about what timeshares have already been recognized as you know uh, either uh, joint physical. And legal custody are ones that you know were, you know, appropriate under, after a domestic violence allegation. You know, and, and I saw that they quoted a case called Cecilia mm-hmm. S. Um, and in that particular case, I don't know if you have it at your fingertips, but what did what did that decision say? That the trial court may not circumvent Section 3044 by characterizing its order as merely an award of mm-hmm. visitation. Again, it's the lipstick on the pig uh, right. type of argument. And then when it says, uh, Cecilia S. explained under the family code, joint physical custody means that each parent, right. each of the parents have a significant period of physical custody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then it said, while there is no statutory definition of significant time, this is where I started cluing in. I'm like, yeah, you know, I've never heard of a statutory definition right. of this. 
of identifying joint physical custody arrangement, Cecilia S. cited cases establishing guidelines. Yes. And what were those guidelines? So here they say um, where the ch children shuttle back and forth between two parents so that they spend nearly equal time with each parent, or where the parent with whom the child does not reside sees the child four or four times four or five times a week. This amounts to joint physical custody. Yeah, then it said in contrast. Mm -hmm. Where a father has a child only 20% of the time on an alternate weekend or one or two nights a week, this amounts to sole physical custody for the mother with liberal visitation rights for the father. Do you want me to continue? No, I, to me that, that was important because when, you know, when I took the certification exam mm -hmm. and we learned about the difference between joint physical custody and somebody having sole physical mm -hmm. custody, what was impressed upon us is there's no magic number, right? Right. We're not going to tell you that it's a certain percentage. It's just significant time means mm -hmm. that that's joint, uh, where it's just, you know, a short period of time is visitation. Well, now we have some appellate court decisions that are yeah. honing in on this, and they're telling us more than what we knew as far as where we, where we are, you know, in a client having joint physical or not. So, you know, it looks to me like even if the father has alternate weekends, let's say it's Friday till Monday, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then has every week has like a, a couple it of dinner visits yeah. and stuff like that, which to me seems like it's a lot of time. But still, you know, according to C Cecilia S., that's going to be, you know, a case where mom still has sole physical custody. Yeah. You know, so I think that this case could be cited, you know, for, for that, you know, when we're talking about nomenclature, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, interesting decision. Uh, you know, did you, did you find it helpful? It did. Yeah, I learned a lot from you know the case, and I agree with you. I thought the discussion about you know kind of putting more specifics to what custodial time, what would be, because we usually just calculate percentage, and then from there, you know, but we almost always have joint physical custody orders. I feel like so most of the time it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it'll be interesting to see if this decision changes anything with respect to that. But yeah, I did find the case to be very interesting. Yeah, a lot of times uh, what we do is we kind of avoid nomenclatures as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we just make the timeshare. Mm -hmm. You know, mom is going to have everything that father doesn't have. Father, you specifically mm -hmm. have alternate weekends. And, you know, we call it a parenting plan and things of that mm -hmm. nature. But the legal effect, now we know, is, is different, you know, here yeah. and stuff. So really interesting. I think that, you know, as we're prosecuting domestic violence cases, we have to keep a sharp eye on what kind of custody orders come out. Yeah. This gives us a little guideline that if you're going to be going uh, even you know, somewhere in between these two, you probably mm -hmm. the court's probably walking on ice if it's yeah. going to try to do that after a finding of domestic violence. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, well, great. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, good job. Okay, <laughs> and we'll see you, see you soon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and thank you for joining us on Exhibit A. See you next time.